Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon Come Follow Me lesson. This is going to be lesson number 20, uh, covering Mosiah 25 to 28 for the period of May 18th through the 24th. So let's go ahead and get into this. This is about the people of Zarahemla. Um, now King Mosiah caused that all the people should be gathered together. So remember, we have three groups of people here. We have Mosiah's people, Zenith's people, and Alma's people all coming together. Uh, there were not so many of the children of Nephi or those of the descendants of Nephi as there were people of Zarahemla or the Mulekites. Uh, so there's a lot more Mulekites than there were uh, Nephites that are gathered together here. Uh, but they all, uh, they're all going to become the people of Zarahemla, and they were gathered together in two bodies. And it came to pass that Mosiah did read and cause to be read the records of Zenith to his people. And he read the record of, of the people of Zenith from the time they left the land of, Jer of Zarahemla until they returned again. Uh, and he also read the account of Alma and his brethren and all their afflictions from the time that they left the land of Zarahemla until they returned again. And so now he's, he's got an account of their history so that he knows what's going on between these two groups. Uh, verse uh, 12, but it came to pass that there were the children of Amulon. Remember, these are the priests of Noah. Uh, and his brethren who had taken to wife the daughters of the Lamanites were displeased with the conduct of their fathers, and they would no longer be called by the names of their fathers. And so these uh, children of, of, of the priests of Noah are now going to just be part of the Nephite group here. They're going to be called the children of Nephi, numbered among those who are called Nephites. Um, okay, verse 13, all the people of Zarahemla were numbered with the Nephites, and this because the kingdom had been conferred upon none but those who were descendants of Nephi. Remember we mentioned how uh, uh, King Benjamin conferred the kingship upon his son Mosiah, who was a descendant of, of uh, Nephi. And so that's how this is going to be uh, in the future. All right, down to verse 19, it came to pass that King Mosiah granted unto Alma that he might establish churches throughout all the land of Zarahemla and gave him power to to ordain priests and teachers over every church. So Mosiah must have also held priesthood keys to be able to, get, to grant Alma the power to ordain priests and teachers in Zarahemla. So they're organizing here the stake of Zarahemla, it sounds like, doesn't it? Uh, and this was done because there are so many people. Uh, notice in verse 21, therefore they did assemble themselves together in different bodies, meaning they had branches or church or wards uh, like we have. Uh, being called churches, every church having the priests and, and their teachers and every priest preaching the word. And thus, notwithstanding there being many churches, they were all one church, uh, even the church of God's. And now there were seven churches in verse 23 in the land of Zarahemla. So this sounds like there are seven wards or seven branches in the stake of Zarahemla. Uh, that's what I think anyway. And they were called the people of God and the Lord did pour out his spirit upon them and they were blessed and prospered in the land. Chapter 26 came to pass that there were many of the rising generation that could not understand the words of King Benjamin, being little children at the time. He spake unto his people, and they did not believe the tradition of their fathers. So you, you kind of make a, it's a question here of why would, what they, why would they not believe? How could children not believe the words of King Benjamin? Uh, obviously they have agency, but what, what else is going on here? Uh, verse 2, it says they did not believe what had been said concerning the resurrection of the dead, neither did they believe concerning the coming of Christ. Now obviously the fathers and the mothers 
of those that heard King Benjamin would be teaching their own children. And so there must be something going on here. Uh, verse 3, it says, Because of their unbelief, they could not understand the word of God, and their hearts were hardened. And they would not be baptized, neither would they join the church, and they were a separate people as to their faith. Um, and so this is kind of interesting. These apostate children were probably influenced by some other religion that would have been dominant in the area. This may be the same group that persuaded Sherem and other apostates in their day for so many children to have been persuaded to not believe their parents, uh, their parents' religion, there had to be uh, some other strong influence upon them to counteract the influence and teachings of their own parents. So we think that there may be another religion that they've gone after uh, rather than the one that their parents are teaching. So it's not that their parents weren't teaching them, it's just that they believe something different. Um, and also it says in verse 5 that there were many dissensions even among the brethren. And so there began to be some dissensions in the church, which might also cause some some problems. Uh, verse 6, they did deceive many with their flattering words. Uh, so those in the church who sinned must be properly dealt with. Uh, it mentions here in verse 6 that those who committed sin that were in the church should be admonished by the church. And that means that those that don't repent, that are members of the church, either need to be excommunicated, disfellowshipped, or have some other discipline, disciplinary action taken against them. Um, verse 7 then talks about how they were brought before the priests and delivered up into the priests by the teachers, and the priests brought them before Alma, who was the high priest. And so this is a disciplinary actions that are had among members of the church. And so King, it says in, eight, in verse 8, King Mosiah had given Alma the authority over the church, and it came to pass that Alma did not know concerning them, meaning these people that have been preaching against the gospel or against the church. Um, in verse 10, there had not any, any such thing happened before. Um, King Mosiah said unto Alma, Behold, I judge them not. Alma wants to give them off to uh, Mosiah to, to make a decision. Um, but uh, Mosiah says, That's not my dominion. That's not my responsibility. That's yours. Um, and so um, Alma just doesn't know what to do or how to handle it. It wasn't in the handbook, I guess. And so he didn't know how to deal with this. Now the spirit of Alma was troubled, and he went and inquired of the Lord what he should do concerning this matter, for he feared that he should do wrong in the sight of God. Since this was a problem that had not been dealt with before, Alma does what every good church leader does, and that is he asks God what to do. He can't uh, write to anybody because he's already gone to a Mosiah, and he didn't help him. Um, but then Alma, so Alma prays to find out what to do, and in verse 15, uh, the Lord tells Alma, Thou art blessed. Uh, and also they are blessed who, who were baptized in the waters of Mormon. Thou art blessed because of thy exceeding faith, and blessed are they because of their exceeding faith in the words alone uh, which thou hast spoken to them. So uh, Alma is giving getting some blessings here. Down in verse 20, he says, Thou art my servant, and I covenant with thee that thou shalt have eternal life, and thou shalt serve me and go forth in my name, and shalt uh, gather together my sheep. So Alma receives his calling and election. Oftentimes when we pray over something, we get a lot more than we bargain for, and so does Alma here in this case. Uh, in verse 21, he that will hear my voice shall be my sheep, and him shall re you receive into the church, and him will I also receive. Uh, so now he's going to get some help on the answer to the question. He says, for behold, this is my church. Whosoever is baptized shall be baptized into repentance, and whomsoever you receive shall believe in my name, and him will I freely, uh, freely forgive. For it is I that taketh upon me the sins of the world, for it is I that hath created them, and it is I that granteth unto him that believeth unto the end a place at my right hand. Um, and then will I confess unto them in verse 27 that I never knew them, those that don't repent and don't, uh, don't join the church, or those that do join the church and later uh, fall away. 
then in verse uh, 29, go and whosoever transgresses against thee, him shall ye judge according to the sins which he has committed. Each sinner is dealt with differently depending on a variety of circumstances and facts. And if he confess his sins before thee and me and repenteth in, in the sincerity of his heart, him shall ye forgive and I will forgive him also. And then in verse 30, yea, and as often as my people will, will repent, I will forgive them their trespasses against them. And ye shall also forgive one another your trespasses. For verily I say unto you, he that forgiveth not his neighbor's trespasses when he says he, that he repents, the same hath brought upon himself condemnation. And so Alma's being told here that if they repent, if they've sinned and repented, then you, you can forgive them. Uh, but if they do not repent, then you have to deal with them and uh, deal with them by some disciplinary, that's, disciplinary action that's going to happen against them. And that's exactly how we handle it today in the church. Uh, let's go down to chapter 27. Uh, Mosiah is forbidding persecution. Um, verse 8, it says, Now the sons of Mosiah were numbered among the unbelievers, and also one of the sons of Alma was numbered among them, he being called Alma. And after his father, nevertheless, he became a very wicked and an idolatrous man. And he was a man of many words and did speak much flattery to the people. Therefore, he led many of the people to do after the manner of his iniquities. So remember that, um, that maybe they are members of a different church or they've been persuaded by a different religious belief than that which is being taught by Alma and, and uh, the people of the church here. Uh, we also know that uh, Alma is probably not a young person here, although we call him Alma the Younger, but we'll get into that a little bit later on, on how old Alma may have been during this time period, during this time frame. In verse 9 it says that Alma and, and the sons of Mosiah became a great hindrance to the prosperity of the church of God, stealing away the hearts of the people, causing much dissension among the people, giving a chance for the enemy of God to exercise his power over them. Uh, and because they enjoy freedom of speech, they can say pretty much whatever they want and get away with it and not be punished. And so now they're, they're doing that. Uh, it came to pass while he was going about to destroy the church of God, for he did go about secretly with the sons of Mosiah, seeking to destroy the church and to lead, away, lead astray the, church, the people of the Lord, contrary to the commandments. As I said unto you, as they were going about rebelling against God, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them. Uh, and they all see the angel, and he descended as it were in a cloud, and he spake as it were with a voice of thunder, which caused the earth to shake upon which they stood. So now Alma and the four sons of Mosiah receive this vision of an angel, uh, and, and so astonished are they that they fall to the ground. But the angel cries unto them, saying, Alma, arise and stand forth, for why persecutest thou the church of God? This sounds a lot like uh, the experience that Saul has in the New Testament, doesn't it? He says, for the Lord has said, this is my church and I will establish it and nothing shall overthrow it, save it be the transgression of my people. And again, the angel said, behold, the Lord hath heard the prayers of his people and also the prayers of his servant Alma, who is thy father, for he has prayed with much faith concerning thee that thou mightest be brought to the knowledge of the truth. So Alma and the four sons, it sounded like that they were going about privately or secretly against the church. But it sounds like Alma kind of knew what was going on and was praying on their behalf that something would happen. And sure enough, something does. Now, these miraculous things like this don't happen to everybody. Not everybody gets this kind of a vision. Uh, we wonder why it happens in this case, and there might be something to do with foreordination. Um, and, and the Lord was not taking away anybody's free agency because uh, they still, even after seeing an angel, could have chosen to, to go against that, just like Laman and Lemuel did. Uh, but uh, the Alma and the sons of Mosiah uh, do make a, a dramatic change. Um, down to verse 23, uh, Alma and uh, the priests that are associated with them uh, are fasting and praying for the space of two days and two nights. 
that Alma can, can regain his strength for he has uh, passed out and, and become unconscious. Um, and then Alma awakes. Um, the lim limbs of Alma in 23 uh, received their strength and he stood up and began to speak unto them, bidding them to be of good comfort. For said he, I have repented of my sins and have been redeemed of the Lord. Behold, I am born of the Spirit. And so Alma has this miraculous uh, conversion that happens to him. As I mentioned, this is not a normal occurrence, uh, but something remarkable that's being mentioned here. Um, he says in verse 25, uh, And the Lord said unto me, Marvel not that all mankind, yea, men and women, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people must be born again. Yea, born of God, changed from their carnal and fallen state to a state of righteousness, being redeemed of God, becoming his sons and daughters. And thus they become new creatures. And unless they do this, they can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. So uh, Alma has had this um, change of heart. He's been born again. He's changed his opinion, his ideas, his thoughts. And now he wants to just do the right thing. Uh, and that's what he's going to do the rest of his life. Um, down to verse uh, 34, and four of them were the sons of Mosiah, and their names were Ammon and Aaron and Omner and Himni. These are the names of the sons of Mosiah. And so they with Alma are converted with this miraculous uh, experience. Down to chapter 28. Now it came to pass that after the sons of Mosiah had, had done all these things, they took a small number with them and returned to their father the king and desired of him that he would grant unto them that they might with those whom they had selected, go up to the land of Nephi, that they might preach the things which they had heard, and that they might impart the word of God to their brethren, the Lamanites. So this great conversion that they've done, uh, now they want to go among the Lamanites. And it's possible that they want to go to the Lamanites because the religion that they've been teaching may have been the religion of the Lamanites. Uh, so the desire to serve and call to serve are not the same. They seek their call from Mosiah, who inquires of the Lord and grants their call to serve. One reason they may have wanted to preach to the Lamanites may be because that the religion that Alma and the sons of Mosiah had adopted came from the Lamanites. Knowing the religion of the Lamanites, they might have wanted to show them that even though they had once believed as the Lamanites, now they were being converted to the truth and that they wanted to do the same for the Lamanites. Uh, in verse 2, that perhaps they might bring them to the knowledge of the Lord their God and convince them of the iniquity of their fathers and the traditions of their fathers. Now they were desirous that salvation should be declared to every creature, and thus did the Spirit of the Lord work upon them, for they were very the vilest of sinners, and they saw, uh, and the Lord saw fit in his infinite mercy to spare them. And it came to pass that they had pleaded with their father many days that they might go up to the land of Nephi. It's important to get the king's permission since the actions of these boys may have serious implications in the relations between the people of Zarahemla and the surrounding Lamanite cities. The Lamanites might think they were spies and attacked the Nephites, so they want to do this carefully. So uh, Mosiah goes and prays uh, about it to find out if this is uh, okay. Um, and the answer that he gets is that the, it's okay for them to go off. They will not, uh, they will not be destroyed. Even though they might be in a, have afflictions and trials, they will they will come out of it. <clears throat> and uh, okay, so in in this chapter, then King Mosiah has nobody to confer the kingdom upon. Uh, there's no none of his sons that would accept it. So he takes the records which are engraven upon the plates of brass and also the plates of Nephi, and all the things which he kept and preserved according to the commandments of God. And having translated and caused to be written the records which were on the plates of gold, which had been found by the people of Limhi. Uh, and he and thus he did because of the great anxiety of his people, for they were desirous beyond measure to know concerning that. Now he translated them by the means of those two stones, which were fastened into the two rims of a bow. And he's talking here about the Urim and Thummim, uh, that, that Mosiah had the Urim and Thummim in which to translate the 24 plates of the Jaredites. 
And he then goes on to explain a little bit about what that is. Um, in verse 17, after Mosiah had finished translating the record, behold, it gave an account of the people who were destroyed from the time that they were destroyed back to the building of the great tower. And that's the Tower of Babel. Uh, this account did cause the people of Mosiah to mourn exceedingly because they were filled with sorrow because of the destruction of the people. Uh, verse 20, um, and now as, as I said unto you that after King Mosiah had done these things, he took the plates of brass and all the things which he had kept and conferred them upon Alma, who was the son of Alma. Now, Mosiah is quite a bit older than Mosiah, maybe 20 years older. So Mosiah must be getting near to die here. Um, and so he's conferring all the records and all the stuff that uh, the kings usually kept onto Alma. Uh, and so he confers these upon Alma, who was the son of Alma, yea, all the records and also the interpreters, and conferred them upon him and commanded him that he should keep them and preserve them and also keep a record of the people, handing them down from one generation to another, even as they had been handed down from the time that he left, or that Lehi left Jerusalem. Notice that he didn't confer the Leahona or the sword of Laban, uh, but were the, which were traditionally tied to the ruler of the government. Prior to King Benjamin, there had been a separation between the keeper of the records and the keeper of the sword of Laban. Now it appears that it reverts back to that policy. And so this is the end of this particular lesson. Um, I know that the Book of Mormon is true and that, uh, that we're reading translated material. I keep saying that, don't I? Well, I believe it. Anyway, see you next time. Bye.